Welcome to the Fin Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs are leaders that rise together. Success does not have a definition. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm your host, White Devgannon, the down-to-earth chick with a different name. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to Fem Nation. I have such a fun guest today. Her name is Joanna Chanis. She is a professional mentor and resilience expert, and I'm excited to dive into that. But I'm really more excited to get to have this conversation with her and to share this with you because her journey is going to be one that resonates with all of us. I just feel that already. So welcome to the show, Joanna. Well, thank you so much, White Dove. I just am obsessed with your name. And <laughs> I know that we when we when we logged on and saw each other for the first time, I was like, well, what is your real name? And when you said to me that this was your real name, I was like, this woman is extra special. Like how incredible. So I feel really lucky to be here. So thanks for having me. So let's just dive right in. I want you to share your journey with the audience. So let me just ask you, where did your entrepreneurial journey begin? How's that weave into your life? So I was raised in a very entrepreneurial family. My mother is an immigrant from Greece and ended up starting a very, very successful and lucrative business when she was in her 40s. Uh, early, well, actually, maybe she was just 40 or maybe her late 30s. She, I had a very interesting childhood. I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and my dad was sick with multiple sclerosis, um, progressive MS for the majority of my life and my sister's life. And my mom worked really hard to provide for the two of us. We didn't have much family here or and just my dad's uh, small family, but all of her family was still in Greece. So she worked really, really hard for other people. And I watched her and I watched her learn. Um, she doesn't even have a high school education, but she is one of the smartest people that I know and obviously very hardworking. So I think that my entrepreneurial journey or infusion really started at birth. I am now 49 years old, but I will take you back through the process of how I actually became my own entrepreneur from being inspired by my mother's journey. I had a traditional corporate job for most of my 20s and into my early 30s, and I loved it very much. I was in sales and sales management, and I really enjoyed that corporate experience. And as you understand, White Dove, because you're a mom, and then I became a mom and the corporate experience for me <laughs> changed. So all of the things that I really used to enjoy about my incredible corporate job, which were the ability to travel, um, the ability to go out for drinks after work, to socialize, to have this network, all of the perks of the job really became disadvantages. I don't even know if that is that is that the right word, not this. They became the opposite 
of what I looked forward to. I really couldn't wait to get home to my baby, uh, Melina, who I had when I was 29 years old. So that's when the itch kind of started of the seed of let me figure out a way that I can be the mother that I want to be, but also not give up my career goals and aspirations. And that was quite a journey. And I fell quite a few times to get to where I am today. So do you think that your listeners would enjoy hearing about my failures? Because (laughs) (laughs) well, let's let's talk about them as learning steps. How's that sound? So yeah, tell take us through that process in the introduction of the entrepreneurial world. And then because part of that is the evolution of who you are today and what you do today. Yeah. And I love failure. So I don't think of failure as, as a negative. I actually, for my mentees, I, one of the parts of what I teach and the methodology that I developed is to make sure that they're really comfortable with failure. I think any successful entrepreneur has to be comfortable with failure. And I, I instinctually was maybe because I saw my mom struggle so much to raise us. So I got very comfortable pretty quick. And uh, once I had Melina, uh, so that was back in 2002, I went back to my corporate job. I was a director at the time of a very up and coming, very cool startup. uh, And we had just gotten our second round of uh, funding. We were owned by the Washington Post. So it was a very bougie, nice time to be in the startup world. But let me back up. When I was seven months pregnant, September 11th happened. And I was, that's when the shift really started for me. Um, I intended to have my baby like I did in January of 2020, 2002. And really wanted to go back to work. And I wanted just like most people at that time, I think, to go back to some sense of normalcy, because our lives were never the same after September 11th, if you if you lived it the way. Yes, as you know, if you were alive, then you remember. And I really pushed to go back and I did and she was very, very young when I went back and I remember uh, traveling to New York uh, to do a, a meeting from Boston where I lived at the time and being in the Plaza hotel and really looking forward to a great night's sleep. And I was going to order room service and I was going to do, I was going to go to Bergdorf's and buy myself like a new pair of Gucci loafers for this meeting. I had it all planned out in my head of my pre-mom things that I used to really enjoy. I still enjoy buying Gucci loafers at Burger sure. though. So, okay. Sure. I just want to. Okay. <laughs> and I love room service. But. <laughs> and uh, I get to New York and I check into my beautiful room and I get a call from my husband at the time, my ex-husband now, but her dad. And we had a nanny at the house, him, and two Greek grandmothers. My mother-in-law, who's a very lovely woman, and my mom. And no one could get this baby to stop crying. And my heart was just in my throat. 
And I thought to myself, that was the first time where I thought, well, I've got to figure something else out, Joe. Like, this is it. You've got to figure something else out. But I went ahead and I, you know, did my meeting. I, whatever, I sucked it up. And I just hated that feeling. I hated that feeling of not being in control of my time. And time, I've often said, and I tell my mentees this all the time, is the only thing you can't get back. Like, once it's gone, it's gone. So I really took some inventory of how I wanted to be in my life as as a mom. And, you know, she didn't, Melina didn't ask to be born. I, that was my choice and her dad's choice. And so I was like, my responsibility is my responsibility to her first. But I was and remain a very driven person business-wise. So I sat with it a little bit. And uh, as she grew, um, nine months later, time went by. And I realized that the economy was not where it was, you know, it had not recovered and wouldn't for years. And this startup that I worked for was going to go through what we used to call it back in the day, which you'll appreciate, riffs, like reduction yes. in force. I think if you said that today, people would like burn you at the state. But <laughs> Um, but they were, they were going to riff people and there were two people in my position. One was me and one was the daughter of the vice president. And so I very cleverly and realistically thought if somebody's going, it's going to be me. And I went to the, um, VP of HR and I said, I want you to let me go. I want you to let me go. I know I'm not going to make it through the three rounds that are coming and I'm okay with that. I have this baby at home and I've got to figure this out and I'm not helping you by being in it half and you're not, and I'm not helping my child. I wasn't doing anything well. I was trying to do too much. And so, you know, by the grace of God or a miracle, it all worked out that way. And then I found myself home with this, baby. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated being a full-time stay-at-home mom. And I, I was miserable. I couldn't, I would call my, my then husband. I'm just going to call him my husband for these intense. You got it. You got he it. Was for 23 years. I would call him at work and he's, was and remains a very, very successful entrepreneur himself. And I'd be like, oh my God, this sucks so much. Like I can't, this, I'm not cut out for this. Like I, I, uh, and he's like, give yourself some time, give yourself some time. He was a huge fan of my business skills and always an incredible cheerleader for me, even when I didn't believe in myself. So I took to being a mother, like the, like I was a CEO. I then decided that I was going to take it on and then I was going to get pregnant again. And this is how my life was going to go down. And I was going to have the second child because I didn't want the first child to be first and to be alone. And I very different from you and as a mom of five, which like you're my hero. And uh, I do get pregnant again very, very quickly. And I'm thinking this is the way life is going to go. And then I lose the baby lose the baby. And I pause. And I think, you know what, Joanna, you need to really pay attention here. You have this unique opportunity. 
where you don't, in quotations, need to work, which is a huge privilege. And uh, you have this beautiful, amazing child and you've just lost a child and you need to open your eyes and your heart to being a mom and let it see where it's going to take you. I was not that insightful then, believe me. I, I struggled a lot and I ended up kind of letting go and enjoying her. She's, I mean, I tear up now thinking she is like literally such an incredible human being. Um, I'm just lucky that I got to, she came through me. And then out of nowhere, I get pregnant with my second gift, Thalia. And Thalia, I have this pregnancy and uh, everything that could go wrong kind of kind of did. And all the tests were coming back and all, it was a really stressful uh, pregnancy and I was caring for this baby and I wasn't working outside of the home. And um, then Thalia became a great teacher of mine. And I started to really reflect and pray. I, um, Thalia's middle name is Gabrielle. She's named for the Archangel Gabriel because I would pray to that Archangel every day. And I would say, God, just please give me a healthy baby. And I will never ask for anything else. I will never ask for anything else. And, um, a pregnancy well went full term. And as she came out, there was a team there to clear her and I didn't get to see her right away. And she, she came to me and they put her in my arm, in my arms. And, uh, she was perfect. She was pink. And she was screaming and she didn't stop for nine months because she has colic. She had colic, but that was a whole other show. <laughs> you never forget that, right? No, I know. Um, and then I had these two angels in my life. And I thought, all right, well, let me see how this works out for a little bit. My husband at the time saw a former coworker of mine from my first company, I worked for Minolta Corporation for many, many years, and I had such an incredible experience there. It was amazing to work for a Japanese company in the 90s and be a woman. There weren't many of us, and they really they treated us really well. There, It was really, really nice. Um, very just, I, I learned a lot. And he had ended up seeing somebody that used to report to me and my former position. And he said, what is Joe doing now? And uh, my ex-husband said, she's like a soccer mom. You, you're not gonna believe it. And he said, well, have her give me a call because I have this interesting opportunity if she's interested. And I went back and they made me an incredible offer to come back. And it was literally like a dream position. And I could have all the flexibility to be control my own schedule and I wouldn't have to travel and da, 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 da. And I did that for a couple of years and I kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the job thoroughly and I enjoyed, but I, again, the social aspects of the job, which is what I really loved, I was not partaking in it anymore because as soon as I was done working, I was going home to my kids. And that I had changed. I had evolved as a person. I had evolved in what I was craving as a woman at the time. And I was in my uh, early 30s, like 34, 35 years old. And so I went to my husband at the time and I said, I don't want to outsource the children in the summer. I'm 
Greek, it was very, very important. And he's Greek. He's actually from Greece. I, it's very important for me, for the children to, to get to go to Greece in the summer and, and really get connected to their roots and all of that. And he agreed. And I took the opportunity. I stopped. I left my, I left uh, that position. And from that moment on, I knew that I had to figure out a way to work for myself and uh, be an entrepreneur. And my ex-husband, who's a, in the medical field, um, a very, very successful entrepreneur and dentist, thinks like every doctor thinks it's easy to open a restaurant and to own one. I think it's fascinating because they really have no idea. And my ex-husband was no different. And he said to me, well, you can do this. Like you've grown up in the industry. Like this is what you do. And I said, you have a no idea. You're opening Pandora's box here. And um, we made a bid and we bought a pizza place on Northeastern University's campus, which ran on a collegiate schedule. And, and that happened a couple of years after I stopped, maybe a year and a half after I stopped working. So the difference in the, that transitional time, White Dove, was that I knew that I was looking for a business. So I enjoyed every single second with my girls. I feel like that was one of my favorite times as a mom. Like I would go to the park with them. I would we'd get ice cream at in the middle of the day for absolutely no reason. I travel like I've always traveled with my girls since they were, you know, 2 years old. I really really enjoyed them and that's when I became very kind of confident in my abilities. That's what they taught me. I think the reason why I am a successful entrepreneur is because my daughters taught me so much. And so we ended up getting a very uh, old school, very high volume pizza place on Northeastern's campus that ran on a collegiate schedule. And I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved the drive. I loved the, I had a staff of 18 people. I, it was, it was a big place. It was like a McDonald's. And um, that worked when my kids were younger and then they hit middle school. Whole different ball game there. Let me tell you. I think that's where all the work is, to be honest. I think that, you know, there's when they're little, they need hugs, they need love, they need food, they need caring, they need patience. When they're in middle school, if you're waiting to parent until high school, like you're losing. They like there's no you're gone, right? So I realized that because the business was so high volume and so successful that I could not outsource my kids. Again, I was kept, I was faced with the same thing over and over again. And I was always going to choose them because I always knew I could make more money, but I knew that I was not having any more children and you can't really undo that. Right? So I said to my ex-husband, I'm going to drive every single carpool. I'm going to go to every single game. I'm going to show up for every single meal and I am going to listen. And I can't do that and run this because that was just me running it. He was not running it. Like he had his own and he ended up buying a second dental practice at the time. So we were like, I mean, we're making a ton of money, but at the same time, like who's going to raise these kids? So I said, that's it. I'm out. He's like, well, look, what do you mean? Uh, you can make it work. I said, well, I don't want to make it work. I know what I want to do. 
I want out. And um, I sold the business in 30 days without listing it in a private sale, sight unseen. And I closed the chapter and I never looked back. But for the seven years that I owned it and I operated it and I learned it, I learned Mm -hmm. all the foundations of everything I needed to know that has served me so well in building the businesses I've built since. So the very next day, I uh, go to a soul cycle class. We sold the business on October 2nd or October 1st, October 2nd or 3rd. I'm in a soul cycle class and I'm very open to like, what is my next chapter? My kids were in middle school, but I knew that I was going to have to invent something because I needed to work in my kitchen. I needed to work in my kitchen. I needed to do this in my house and be able to pick up my children and be with them and pay attention. And so I came up with this idea to create a software and launch an app that connected independent nail technicians, um, women that wanted women and men that wanted their nails done inside at their home. It's very common in Greece uh, and in other European countries and in the South America to have your nails done at home as opposed to going to a salon. So I really loved that service. And I thought, well, why don't I create the technology to find that? So I saved some money and I bootstrapped the company myself. And I went back and became a nail technician so I could learn every aspect of the business. And this was a really fun, vibrant time in um, my life and in my family. And the day I launched the app, the very day I had, I, I had success with it, the, the, I had proof of concept and all that. I knew it's not what I wanted to do. I knew it because I could see that the challenges I was having um, finding employees for my pizza place was going to be the exact same challenge as finding nail technicians that were willing to go out on their own and become entrepreneurs and, 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 and fill those spots, right? So here I was, I sold one very lucrative business and I've created a, a second one which, where I, I something like 546 downloads in one day. It was, it was like a very successful launch with no money. I, I did not pay for advertising. I wasn't on any podcast, nothing. And people wanted the service, but I could not fill the need. And I knew that. I knew that in my gut. I knew it. But I didn't listen to myself. I kept going. I would, I'm very good at getting the people around me that are going to give me the answers that I want to hear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I knew, I knew, but it gave me this flexibility of being, I could do what I wanted to do at home. I could work from home, which is really what I wanted. And I could fulfill what I believe my divine purpose is on this planet is help women achieve their dreams. That's what, that's why I get up every day. You know, I was inspired by my mother and then I was able to have this very privileged life and opportunity where I could opt in and out and and start businesses and do what I wanted to do because I was very fortunate that way. And I remain fortunate that way. And, um, you know, I knew it wasn't going to work. And I thought that by adding more technology to it and growing the technology that maybe I could solve that problem, which I knew in my gut was a mistake, by the way. 
that's funny when you when you know those things. There's just there's just certain things you're like, this is not the direction I ultimately want to be on. But yet you still persevere anyways to kind of see it through or something. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but you you do. You do know those things. Yeah, I knew. I knew a million percent. And I ended up choosing a... But the universe will always work it out for you. You can't work it out for yourself, right? So I end up uh, finding... uh, Making us a, a checklist of everything I need in order to make this next phase of the of the app work. And I end up hiring, I get a a very good friend who's an investor uh, and puts I put up half the money, he puts up half the money. And we end up hiring this technology incubator company to build out the next version of the app that then is going to become all these buzzwords, scalable, blah, 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 blah. And the person that I hire is right on Boylston Street in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, which is a very affluent street. There's an office there. I can see this person. I see the staff. I love the staff. I check the references. The references are good. We go ahead and I make this investment to to build it out. Full on knowing that I'm not going to be able to staff it. I know it. So just wrong on every level. And Turns out this technology company, this man was a Ponzi scheme. Oh, no. And he was taking all of our money, like uh, entrepreneurs like myself and many others and, and really established ones, like I, really established ones. And he was using the money to buy boats and buy trips and buy whatever. And I figured it out, I think a little sooner than other people, unfortunately, in my same area. And I knew what he was, I knew that it wasn't above board. And so I confronted him and I said, I want my money back, knowing full well that that was not going to happen because he had spent it. But I decided in that moment, and this is a lot of, I think the first time that the methodology that I now teach as a professional mentor happened. I decided to, instead of waste time and energy being upset about it, I mean, don't get me wrong, I had many nights that I cried. I decided to accept it without trying to understand why it happened at the moment. And that's the first step in the methodology that I teach. I didn't know that this was going on at the time, okay? I was not that insightful, believe me. And uh, I accepted it. And people would say, why aren't you mad? And I said, well, what's the point of being mad? And I decided to focus on what was working in my life at the time. And uh, unfortunately, in my personal life, not much was working. I was, I believe your business is always a reflection of your personal state. Absolutely true. It's a mirror. And so here I was getting all these red flags in business. And I had a achieved success as an entrepreneur. I ran a very successful business and I had a successful exit. I mean, what what more do you want? Right. And, uh, here I am and this fraud and this dishonor and all of these things were coming into my orbit. And I knew that my marriage was over. I knew it and it had been for a long time, but I didn't want to accept it. Just kind of how 
it wasn't, I would have stayed. I would have stayed in this marriage. And, um, and it wasn't just for my kids. You know, I believe in marriage. I love, I love being married. I do. And, um, I knew something was wrong with me physically. I knew that I was constantly in a state of fight or flight stress. And, uh, my, we had gone to Greece and I come back in July and I had had a little lump in my left breast that my doctors were like, it's nothing. I've had ultrasounds on it. You can, you know, do a biopsy, but you, you know, you can punt it till September. I knew that it was cancerous. I knew. And, uh, I didn't want to ruin my kid's summer as a mom. You could kind of, that's right. So I made the biopsy appointment for the day that they went back to school in September of 2019. One was the first day Melina was a junior and Thalia was a sophomore. And um, within a day or two later, I, two days later, I get a call from my doctor and it, I, I was right. It was cancer. And I knew in that moment that if I did not, if I dealt with the cancer the same way I had dealt with every other obstacle in my life, that I was going to die. It didn't matter how great my doctors were. And they, I often refer to them as unicorns, as they're unbelievable because they're superhuman. But I knew that this was meant for something else, to teach me something else. And I thought, Joe, you better pay attention because you are screwed. And I wanted to live. I wanted to live. So, I sat with the cancer for 10 weeks and anybody who knows me and anybody who's listening and anybody kind of watches my stuff, I'm a doer. I say, I'm going to do something. I do it and I get it done and I don't put, but I was like, I need to pay attention here. And, uh, I started on a journey that I believe was my awakening. And, uh, cause I was in the ditch. I was in the ditch. I was in the bottom. I had hit bottom. There was no place left for me to go. It was either live or die. And uh, although I had felt that way before my cancer diagnosis, because my marriage was in such distress and because I was so unhappy for such a long time, and I didn't want that kind of life, and I didn't know what to do. And I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to focus on myself for the very first and only time in my life. And I accepted the cancer again, second time in my life that I accept judgment. And I started to find pockets of gratitude in things that I had never seen before, even though they had been around me the whole time. And, uh, I was scheduled for a, uh, bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction on November 18th. So that's a 10 week uh, journey from the time of diagnosis to uh, the surgery. And there is not a day in my life that I don't realize how lucky I am to be able to have set the cancer that long. And I know how crazy that sounds because there are some women, they go in, they have a mammogram, they're in the OR the next day. Okay. I talk to those women. Okay. I know that women don't have choices. They're in the chemo drip the next day. I was lucky. And that's why I listened. Because I thought, Joe, you are here for something else. You want to help women? This is how you're going to help women. And I ended up having dinner with my ex husband, who was my husband at the time. 
still new to me because we're just newly divorced to say ex or whatever. And he'll always the father of my children. So I have utmost respect for him and, uh, and he for me, which we're very fortunate that way. He uh, said to me at this dinner, it was right before my surgery, Saturday night, my surgery was on a Monday morning and this was Saturday night. And he said, Joe, you've always been an incredible writer. You've always wanted to help people. You need to write a book. You need to write a book and you need to, you need to do what you're here to do. And he believed in me. And uh, I, six weeks, I had drains in me from the surgery when I started to write my book, The Waiting Room Book. And I started to write it and I was about six weeks into writing it. And my oldest daughter, Melina, came to me. And there's nothing, as you know, as a mother of uh, five and older ones, there's nothing like a teenager to call you out on your shit, right? And uh, she said to me, Mom, I hope your book is honest. I said, what, what do you mean? What, why wouldn't it be honest? I'm so honest. And she said, because I hear you crying in your bathroom every night. And I thought, if I really want to help people, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to be myself and the most vulnerable I can be. Cause I was so guarded. I had spent my entire life pretending everything was great on the outside. My life was a life people dreamed about but nothing could have been further from the truth. So I sat down and I just, I don't even know where the words came from. I will, White Dove never know where they came from because I was able to write 50,000 words. I, I was not, never written a book before. And uh, as I started to come out of this and almost finish my book, the pandemic happens and the whole world shuts down. And I end up quarantining in our house in Newport, Rhode Island with my two daughters and my husband at the time. And I've got all these words, but the book doesn't have that it thing that it needed to have. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like, what was the purpose of it? What was the, what was it? Cause there was no official methodology at the time or anything like that. And uh, we go into quarantine and I am just I'm devastated. I know my marriage is over. I'm here in this house with these two kids. I know that he's unhappy. It's just not working. And uh, I prayed every day. I would get up and I write in the morning. I write in bed and I just started to write this. I wrote this 25 page document that came from my soul. And that's where the foundation of the method really came from. I didn't even call it that at the time, but I knew that that document, and I was willing to just put that document out on the internet so every woman would have access to it that was struggling in person. Because the, the book, although it's marketed to help you through a diagnosis, is really to help you through any sort of hard time. And I started to pray. And one night I said, God, I don't know what to do with this marriage. I don't know. Take this from me because I don't know. The very next day, the very next day, unprompted, both of my daughters came to me and they said, mom, you need to leave dad. We're going to college soon and this, this is not working and we're worried about you and you need to leave. And that was it. You raise the woman that you want to be. And I had done that. And um, that was the most selfless, like what kid doesn't want their parents to be together, right? They looked beyond themselves and I'm like, how did I even like 
get lucky enough to have them. And so I ended my marriage, 23-year marriage, that very day. There was no looking back. My book ends up getting published, picked up by a publisher, uh, Eckhart Tolle's like probably like unbelievable, like happenstance, God incidents, as I call it. And um, a former coworker of mine from that company that I asked to be laid off from, who is now was an, uh, an executive at SAP, which is a very large software company, one of the largest in the world, read the book. And she reached out to me and she said, this is an incredible book. Will you come and give a talk? at my company around wellness based on the principles of your book, because I think a lot of people could benefit from this. And um, this is going to, this is crazy. But on November 18th of 2020, exactly 365 days and one minute later, I gave that talk at SAP at 12.01 PM Eastern Standard Time. The very moment that I had opened my eyes from my life-saving surgery just a year before. And my life and my career completely changed paths in that moment. I realized that that is what I was here for. That's what I was meant to do. And on that call, on that talk, it was about 50 uh, sales executives. And I, I spoke about the themes that they wanted me to talk about there was a young woman and she's of Greek descent like me. She's Greek like me. And um, she asked her boss, she asked uh, her coworker who, who was my friend, if she could meet me. She's young, beautiful, vibrant. And uh, she asked if I would mentor her. Now I had mentored, I had been hired in the past to professionally mentor young female entrepreneurs. Um, by people that invested in their startups and they would hire me. And so I had always done this, but never on a kind of formal capacity in that way. Right. And she said, I said, I'd love to mentor you. I would love to take you on as a mentee, but in return, I would love for you to gather a group of your peers together. I want to meet with you all monthly on zoom because I want to do research for my next book. I felt very passionately that if I had this access to the way I thought now and everything I had learned from my cancer, you know, to have this methodology of acceptance, gratitude, and movement that I never probably would have gotten cancer to begin with. I mean, it was a picture of health. I mean, you can't see me on the podcast, but you can see me on the Zoom. I mean, right. So <laughs> she said, sure. She puts this group together in January of uh, 2021. And it's magic. It literally is like this magical and I start to teach them. And I'm thinking I'm doing research for my next book, but that's not what I was doing. I was gathering this group and, and giving them these talks and teaching them this methodology that I now call the mindset mentor method. It's all about the mindset and it's all about the growth. And they started to have these unbelievable results. I said, I think we've got something here. And they're like, Joe, we've got something here. So I started to record the sessions and we kind of made a podcast out of it. It was you know, fun. And I said, I should really have a website so other people could find me. And uh, so that all happened very kind of quickly and organically. And I just started to do this and it just literally fell in my lap. Well, since then, 
because everything, as you know, comes full circle. I get corporate offers and I have corporate clients that hire me to apply this methodology to increase their sales, to identify where in the process of their organization, there might be some improvement. And I go in and I consult based on the same methodology and I solve their problems and increase sales and all this stuff. So everything I do on an individual level, I do on a corporate level as well. And I come across this opportunity. I One of my corporate clients is a very big established company and the CEO of that company wanted to meet me. And I thought, well, he's just here. I'm here to justify like why I'm here, right? This is what I'm thinking when a CEO asks to meet you. And I go in prepared to give, you know, my, what I do. I really don't really prepare for. I always kind of just talk, <laughs> follow my gut. Ever since getting burnt from that technology company experience, I just follow my gut every single time. And if it doesn't resonate with me, I don't say it. And I don't do it. And uh, I realized when I walked into his office that I was there for a very different reason. And he wanted to know my story. So I shared with him my, my journey and my story, much like I'm sharing with you and your listeners today. And uh, he said, I want you to meet my wife. My wife is an entrepreneur and she has a very successful business and she has created a software and I really think you can help her get it to market. And I thought, this was the reason I went through everything. And I meet his wife. She's unbelievable. And we instantly connect. And she has now, she and I are now partners, are on our way to becoming partners. And she has an incredible software uh, called Torch Metrics that helps um, with online, helps you improve your online presentation skills. And that is launching in Q2 of this year. So now we are in 2022. So this book that I wrote has now parlayed into all of this. So I'm working on a corporate level and then I still get to work with my one-on-one -on -one mentees. I have a program that I developed that is six months long. They work with me once a week for six months. I teach them all of my methodology. I make sure they know how to do it and it becomes instinctual and part of their DNA. And that way they're able to identify why they're here, identify what they want out of their life, their dreams. I give them a clear roadmap on how to get there with the least amount of resistance and stress and stay healthy. And I'm living my dream. I'm living my purpose. And all those those pieces that came before your diagnosis and then came before the book, all of those mattered. But in the moment, even though you knew that they weren't necessarily the path that you were, you were here for, you were able to take that and apply it to the path you were meant to be on. It was applicable. So it, it again, it circles back around to the fact that it wasn't failures. I mean, it, it failures, failure is a word, right? How we perceive it is the other way to uh, kind of address the elephant in the room that those weren't failures. Those were lessons that were necessary for you to be able to be successful where you are today. That's beautifully said. And thank you for your kindness. I definitely appreciate 
my ability to keep getting up. I don't think that I am unique in any way, but I do know that I am determined and I am, I do what I say I'm going to do. And that I think for every entrepreneur that's listening is the differentiator. It doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't matter what, it, none of that matters. None of it matters. What matters is that you get up and you try again and you try again. And this is confidence that comes with age and experience and a big, a big benefit to my younger mentees um, that I work with. And I've even had parents hire me to help their daughters when they're right out of college, you know, get on their career path because what's missing today. And it's, and it's, I think just devastating to see for women is, is the confidence to be who they are and to be okay with it. And I think a lot of that comes from social media and having to put out this polished product all the time. Well, I do both on my social media. I definitely curate the messaging and all of that, but I story all day long without any makeup on. Okay. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's easy for the, you know, and especially the younger ones that are listening now to look at the, the life and the, the things and the cars and the trips. And you didn't see the blood, sweat and tears to get here because that was all there too. There were moments, you know, I describe this all the time to other women because I believe that everyone is connected to a woman, whether you are a woman or whether you're a man, you came from a woman or however you identify in your role, we are all came from a woman. That's just the reality and the biology of it, right? I believe that there are three types of women. When you're in the ditch, the first woman will come up to you. She'll text you. She'll call you. She will tell you she loves you. You're in her prayers and that she's thinking of you and that she hopes everything is going to be okay. That woman is amazing. Woman number two, she's going to come and she's going to sit next to you in the ditch and she's going to pick up your kids from sports and she's going to make some food for you and she's going to organize text chains and she's going to do all of that and she's going to put her arm around you and she's going to cry with you. And that woman is also amazing. And then there's woman number three. Woman number three, she doesn't talk to you. She crawls in the ditch with you. And she says, I, I know you can't talk and you can't get up. So I'm going to hold you. I'm going to raise you on my shoulders. And you're going to lean on me for your strength right now, because I know you can't get up. But one day you're going to get up and you're going to be better. And then you're going to do that for another woman. That's the woman I am. And that's the woman I'm surrounded by. And that's the woman I was raised by. And that's the woman I'm raising. That's powerful. Deeply powerful. And when we as women, wherever we fall in that, the, the identification process of, of womanhood and being a woman, we will find ourselves in each of those roles at some point in time. It's our choice to decide how deeply we want to be in the role that we choose and the role that we are at capacity of. Sometimes, sometimes 
I can only be woman number two. Maybe I've got so much going on that I can, I can do meals and text trains and, and pick up. I can, I can help. I don't have the bandwidth to go any deeper because maybe I'm barely keeping out of the ditch myself. You know, I mean, there's so many different ways about it, but there are times when you are in, you're the woman in the dish ditch and you know, you know, that that woman that comes along that puts you up on her shoulders, she's an angel. And that woman has been there and she has seen it and she has done it. And it was her moment to raise you up because your paths crossed for that moment. It's so beautifully said, White Dove. And I had one of my mentees reached out to me after I gave this, I don't know, I came up, I started saying this a few weeks ago. I don't know how it even kind of came about. Thank you. It's how I feel. And um, she said, you know, I have two little kids. I'm woman number one right now. And you notice when I describe the women, I say they're all amazing because we cannot be everything to everybody at the same time. But right now I find myself in a complete place of privilege where I have the space emotionally, mentally, financially, physically to be able to be that lifter of women. And um, I close my eyes and I see myself with all these women behind me. I, I think it's like the best time in the world to share that message because there are women right now listening to this who are working from home, who are trying to start a business, who are raising kids, people who have had loss, people who have had all of these things, you know, and I was able through this methodology that I practice and teach get through one of the hardest, I would say the hardest year of my life. Divorce is the absolute worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's worse than cancer. It's awful. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I wouldn't wish any of that stuff on anybody, but you know what I mean? Sure, sure. But it ended up being the hardest year on paper, but ended up being one of the best years of my life so far. And I think that that's powerful. And I think owning the kind of woman that you are, one of those three women, if you know, you're in one of those buckets, you are, you are, and you can ebb and flow out of those. And um, anyway, that's it. Now I'm crying like a, you know, I'm crying. You know what? That's where we, we do that on this podcast. We're, we're real. We're real about the conversation and we're real about women uplifting women, right? Because we need that. We, we need each other and we need to uplift each other and stand with each other. You, you talked about having those women behind you and with you and beside you and in front of you, even blazing trails. We need that more than we think more that we, more than we pay attention to. Sometimes there are awareness periods, but there are also times where just like, we forget that we have that we can lean in on that. And there are those, those three women out there exist in whatever capacity and find them and let them be a part of your life in whatever one, two or three capacity they're meant to be in that moment, allow them in, allow them to be there and and see that and view that and be a part of that. And then see that and view that and be a part of it for somebody else, for another woman out there, because that is what's going to change the world. That right there. Oh, have the chills. <laughs> I love you. I oh my gosh. This is <laughs> I love you too. And I've got to, I've got to just going to sign off. And when we're signing off, I'm going to tell people when I was, you know, for those that are going to read my book or they don't have time to read my book. Every time I would say my surgery is this day, they'd say, what's the name? What's his name? What's your surgeon's name? 
I just want to note for the record that my surgeon is a woman, <laughs> four children, and she is the best in the world at what she does. Okay. So it is possible, ladies. Okay. Yes, it it is. is possible. That's all I'm saying. And so those are the hands that healed, that heal, that healed. Yes. Me. Yes. Joe, tell us where the audience can connect directly with you. Where can they find your book? Where can they connect with you? Where can they get to know more about you if they don't know you already? Okay. You can go right to, thank you for asking, joannachanis.com. Everything is housed under that um, umbrella. So it's www. And then you'll link it, joannachanis.com. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, um, not because I wanted to be White Dove, but because my publishers like get over yourself and get on Instagram. <laughs> and now I've got to say, I'm really enjoying it. Um, enjoying it. I enjoy the social aspect of it. I'm a, you probably can tell I'm Greek. I'm very social, you know, Absolutely. we invented it. So there you go. That's right. That's right. It has been my pleasure to spend time with you and to introduce you to my audience and to expand the story for your audience, even when they listen to it too. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Be Guys, well. make sure that you connect with Joe, connect with her and, and really deeply uh, embrace the story because her story is a piece of your story too. So as always, keep moving forward. Hey, Fem Nation, I know you are called to lead something great. Are you wondering what the next best step is for you? I have a next best step. I invite you to walk with me through the Become Unstoppable Challenge. Join me on a 21-day journey to discover your inner leader. Find how to build your confident leading foundation to decide and move forward to your highest potential in business and life. After helping dozens of challengers take hold of their leadership, you will come away from this experience with a renewed sense of confidence in order to serve those who need to hear from you. As a valued listener, I'm inviting you to save 25% on the next 21 day challenge by using code FEM2020. That's F-E-M 2020. Check it out at www.becomeunstoppablechallenge.com. Again, that's www.becomeunstoppablechallenge.com. Coupon code FEM2020. I look forward to seeing you on the inside.